Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back. If you're returning to the Real Life Work Podcast, welcome for the first time. If this is your first time visit, I'm Kevin McManus. I am your podcast host, and I try to bring to you things that have worked for me in terms of operational excellence in organizations, and more importantly, things I have seen others prove to be effective over the course of time. And by things, I mean work systems and work processes. And today we're going to focus on what I call proactive process improvement. And the title of this podcast is Be Proactive with Process Improvement. And I realize that is Covey's first habit there when I say be proactive. That means take responsibility for your own process improvement. And that's where this whole story links into me. Because when I started doing process improvement in organizations, I did proactive process improvement. I just did not realize it. And that's an important thing for us all to get. And I'll build on that as we go. So for this podcast, I've got a PDF that summarizes the how-to for each of the different tools. That's in the upper left corner of the podcast page on the greatsystems.com website. Also, there are videos, links on that page from my Great Systems YouTube channel that have to do with proactive process improvement. So I'm not going to cover all that detail on the podcast here. More importantly, I want to talk about how I came up with this approach, how I used it, how it worked for me, how I've seen others apply it and be even more effective with it. And probably most importantly, where this is going as we make our digital transformation and we move to where we have lean data capture and we're capturing all the key stuff we need to capture each day. So here's where this all goes. I always started out at cost centers, but I will tell you the first two places that I worked at, I never really saw monthly performance information, let alone daily process information. Now in the toy plant, I filled in as a supervisor in the tool and die department, in the plastics molding department, and even in the assembly department. But I only saw where we captured how many units we did that day, how many hours that were worked. I never saw any link to red tag or to scrap or to rework or any other kind of metrics. And I never saw any metrics on a daily basis. Now, I was considered a member of management. I guess that's just how they worked. It was a family-owned business, but still, we were small. You know, just over 100 employees. And I realized looking backwards how much power we could have had if we had used proactive process improvement there. But we did not. And that organization has gone through transformation over the years. Let's just say that. Second organization, same situation. Much bigger, 10 times the size of the toy plant. We made writing instruments. I was deep into standard costing. We had three people that did time study right next to the three industrial engineers in our group. And so those ladies were deep into time study. So we knew what our processes were. We knew what our processes cost. But we knew nothing about how we were actually performing, where our waste was, what our actual costs were. And most importantly, was the company making money, losing money, making customers happy, dissatisfying customers more than satisfying them? We never knew. Now, this is back in the day. I get it. But there's still organizations that run that way. However, it's all changed when I got to my third employer. And there, I got to see it done correctly. Now, they did proactive process improvement. In other words, they captured 
all the different key process performance elements on a daily basis at the transaction level in the workplace. And they had total employee engagement there. So we could get scrap rates, rework rates, throughput rates, costs by each of the different processes in the value stream. We could aggregate it up. We could look at it by process. And this is right when spreadsheets were first coming out. And I have to tribute this to Andy and to Tom in particular because they had the foresight to see how they could set this thing up. And I'm going to talk about predictive analytics in my next podcast. And this is also the organization where I got to experience using spreadsheets to do predictive analytics. And again, it was those two folks that pointed me in that direction. So two good leaders I had the chance to work with way back in the day. And that we practice proactive process improvement as a plant. So 200 people, multiple departments. I will say that our support groups, our groups that supported the value stream, like purchasing, human resources, quality, information technology, accounting, shipping and receiving, supply chain management, those folks did not track their own processes. And so that was, you know, that was more fixed cost or within the costing process. And so we knew how it contributed to the aggregate unit cost for the product, but we didn't necessarily know how well they were performing. But that was theirs to manage with their manager. I've learned since then it's better to be transparent across the board because then the value stream folks don't say, how come you measure us to such a high degree and you, you let the support group folks get off with just a monthly report? Or managers don't have to turn in a report at all. We don't want that. That's not fair. And it creates an unfocused environment. This works well, and it's not hard to do. The point is you have to, first of all, realize all work is a process. Processes are those work habits we do each day or each week or each month or each year. The key is to identify what is the cycle time of your project of your processes. If you work on projects a lot, you have long cycle times. If you serve customers in a restaurant or in a bar or in a coffee shop, you have lots of transactions, lots of process cycles a day. And I look at this like a person looks at it. I come to work. I want to know, did I have a perfect day or not? And as a plant manager, I learned I don't want to be blindsided by surprises. And I learned if I measure and if I trend, I can tell what's better coming at me. I don't need unexpected process problems that distract the team, break our flow, disrupt the process, and most importantly, cost precious time and money that we could spend on improvement and making work better. But instead, we're spending it on fixing problems. And that's crazy because we don't get unlimited time and money. We only get so much. And so the way I look at it is if we're going to, if we want to increase wages by 10%, we better find a way to save 10% of our process cost. And most organizations can do that. Simply because they're not measuring, most can do it in six months or so. I don't know if you watch Bar Rescue or Restaurant Impossible, but those are small businesses that generate you know, a fair amount of money. They can easily generate a few million a year. And when they talk about losing thousands a month for several months in a row, I really start to wonder, 
Are they measuring at the process level, at the daily level? Do they know how many customers they served each day? How many drinks they served? John Taffer does a great job of telling them what the standard is in terms of revenue per square foot that is expected in restaurants. But these folks have no idea how close to that standard they are. They may not even know if they're close to the standard of, on average, 30% of restaurant costs are food costs. 30% are labor costs. 30% go to other costs. Often they just manage that. You know, we're spending what we always spend. We're buying what we always buy. In the past, this worked. I don't know what's changed. And so a lot of organizations don't use the tools I talk about that are key for proactive process improvement. And it has to happen at the transaction level. Now, back in the day, this was all done manually. You know, we didn't have technology to help us out. I mean, it can all still be done, but it takes more leader time. We have to build more time into their job. I used to spend an hour and a half doing this. When I became plant manager, I refined the process down to 45 minutes. I felt that was worth it. I did. I do the math on those kind of things. I know what the daily cost of my number crunching was. I looked to see if that paid off or not. And the key is you learn your process and you learn your processes in a cost language, in a waste language, in an impact on the workforce language. And that helps you speak about what you do more effectively to your customers, whether they're the internal customers or the external customers. Because we had this approach at the roofing plant. And then I went left there and I was asked by Don to help mirror this at our candy bar plant. And I'm going, what's going on here? This guy manages just like Tom and Andy manage. What's going on here? Why? How come he's process transaction focused too? He's daily waste focused too. But the folks he's working with in the plant are not. What's going on here? Well, they had learned that I can wait on corporate to send me a monthly report. I can wait on someone to give me a call and say, I noticed your numbers are trending this way. What's up? You know, that's like someone saying, my accountant just told me I'm losing $1,000 a day and I've been losing that much for three months in a row. I had no idea. What do you mean you had no idea? After a week of $1,000 a day loss, don't you start getting a little cringy it's very interesting and the key thing here is you don't have to track a lot it's like 5 10 15 things if you do effective daily journaling you can usually capture what you need to capture now back in the day our supervisor didn't necessarily do this they just filled out their reports and the reports had columns on there for scrap for rework for people hours worked for machine hours worked for things like that they didn't necessarily track the downtime events the defect events as much maybe as we could have but they were fairly close and maybe they didn't attach people concerns to the daily work concerns like they could have or to the higher degree like they could have but still It was interesting because this organization engaged 65 to 70% of its people in improvement teams. The plant would save a million dollars a year in its cost reduction program, but it wasn't all coming from the improvement teams. A good percentage was coming from 
the folks in the mixing area, the folks in the calendar area, the folks in the sheet building area, the folks in the assembly area. Focusing every day on how to do the job effectively to make their processes perform well because they saw daily scrap numbers. They saw daily rework numbers. Lead people, hourly lead people were responsible for managing rework numbers, for managing scrap numbers, and they did a super job of it. I still I still admire those folks today, remember those folks today for, for what they were able to do because I didn't get to experience that and some of the other organizations I went to until we started making some transformations happen and we started bringing out those personalities that did exist in the workforce, we just didn't have a work environment that brought it out. But so here we are. You know, that's where I started making this a formal process. I did not call it leader standard work yet, but that's where I started coming up with some of these tools. You know, I started using performance summary spreadsheet to capture the key things that happened each day on my shift for that process. You know, how many transactions did we have? How many hours did we work? How many hours of people time did we invest? And anytime you track time, you can come up with a cost. It doesn't have to be exact. Using weighted averages works well because you're looking for shifts in performance And you're looking for correlations. You can be, you know, you can use a weighted average, and it will work fine for those kinds of things when you're analyzing this types of data. But the key is you capture the five to ten key numbers that tell the story of what happened for the process you're responsible for. And if you have three processes you manage, like three different production lines, uh, you could you could have three different restaurants. You might have three different customer service groups that meet with very distinct customer segments and you want to see how each of them performs. You might have one person that works with A suppliers and one that works with B and C suppliers. You want to see the differences in how those processes perform. I have examples I can share of how you can use this to measure meeting performance where each row in the performance summary spreadsheet looks at what did we invest in the meeting, what did the meeting produce, how effective was the meeting, how defect laden was the meeting, you know, any process can be measured this way. And with technology coming on, it's getting easier to track transaction frequency. When transactions stop and start, you know, we're putting electronic tags on the start and the end of transactions. We can use pop-ups on tablets to enable the capture of Exceptional events might be something you might want to call them. They call them sentinel events in healthcare, near-miss events, good catches, just the very odd things. And that's kind of where a lot of it sums up here is, you know, looking at the, the odd things that affect process performance. Here's, here's a quick way to think about it. When you go to work each day, do your job. You know, try to think about your processes, but when you leave each day, think about, did I have a perfect day or not? And if you can't answer yes to the question, what are those three to five things, two to three things that kept you from having a perfect day? At work, they're usually customer complaints, process errors, things that break, spills, but they're 
Odd things. They don't happen every single day, or at least I hope not, or you're losing a whole lot of money. But we want to capture those five to 10 things. So for example, when we first started trying to attack rework on a particular production line, we're going after every downtime event that was over 30 minutes because we were having 10 to 15 of those a day. As we made improvements, we started looking at every downtime event over 10 minutes. And that's the same way you do with safety. If you've got a very bad safety program and you're having a lot of lost time injuries, that's where you start. You want to reduce your incident severity. You want to get it to where we only have recordables. And once you, as you do that, you work it down to where we only have near miss incidents. And that's all possible. But you have to trend and you have to trend the right things and you have to trend at the process level to know when do we do things right, when do we do things wrong, you know, when do we meet standard, when do we not, and what do we need to improve process-wise to help make that happen. It's not who do we need to adjust mentally to make sure we have no errors, it's how do we need to change our work systems? How do we need to apply mistake-proofing strategies? How do we need to do a better job of giving our folks the information they need to make the right decisions quickly on the job each day? And so we start with our performance summary spreadsheet. You can journal or go straight to like a Excel database, Excel spreadsheet to capture your daily process errors and failures. But those are the two key things you want to do because that's your 10, to 10 or so key numbers for the day, for the 8, 10, 12 hours you put in. And we have the two, three, four, five, maybe 10 things, I hope not, that actually affected our performance. Not the average stuff necessarily, but the weird stuff, the big stuff, the almost outlier type things. Then it's very important to take that summary information, put it on one page, one screen, and get it to where everyone can see it, to where they bump into it. Not to where they have to go and look for it, but where they bump into it. They see it on the way to the workplace. They see it on the way to the cafeteria. They see it in the cafeteria on the TV screens, but it changes daily. And it uses color and it uses images and it lets folks know what kind of day they had. And maybe it might cue them into things they need to focus on for the day ahead. And some folks are getting to where they have this on a very real-time basis. It's very impressive. But often the numbers are at a company level, almost like a stock ticker, and not at the process level, the real-life work level. So please give that some thought with your metrics. Also, think about how can I use Pareto charts, maybe pie charts, but Pareto charts I favor because you can see that big bar. It just tends to pop out more. But how can I use Pareto charts to find my segments, find my splits, find my filters, the classifications that I truly need to focus on? And as we put more AI in place, our computer systems do that for us. You know, so you know, often now when we go to get a report, it rank orders things for us from high to low. So as long as we did a good job of capturing our three to five big issues each day and what the time impact, cost impact, or customer impact might have been, then the report, computer will pull the report for us. We don't even have to enter it in an Excel. We only have to enter it once. And maybe we scan it in. We don't even have to type it in. It's not like it used to be where every single one has to be entered at least once and sometimes more than once. It can also run the splits for us. 
You know, it can give us different looks. Pivot tables and Tableau are great for that. And you have to run your splits to know where your high leverage areas are. You can't throw money at everything. You have to know where the leverage point is. If I could give a man a lever long enough, he could move the world, Archimedes said. So we want to find our high leverage process problems. Here's my acid test for frontline supervisors, really any manager, anyone with process ownership responsibilities. What are your daily costs? What are your key top high daily costs? And where are your key problem areas? And just by the way they answer those questions, it gives you a clue into how well they understand their work processes. It's often the case where they'll say, well, well let me take you down to my frontline person. They'll, they'll answer your questions for you. That's a bad answer. I didn't ask you to write essay questions. You should be able to say, well, I spend around 15000 a day in labor. I spend another 30000 a day in materials. We have roughly 75 to 100 transactions a day. On average, the transactions run around $15. If we're lucky, we'll have 10 to 15 transactions that go over $30. That's an average day. Our big waste areas tend to be, and then they go on and give you two to three key waste areas in the impact on profit or cost that those waste areas have. Now, it doesn't take that long to give you that. In this day and age, people should be getting that verbally from their leader on a pop-up video on the daily push if they're getting a meaningful daily push to their devices. I would want a hazard map. If I'm going to a construction site to do work, I, just like we can get crime maps now for a lot of our big communities, if I'm going to a construction site, I want to be able to get a hazard map. Same if I go to a food plant or a high-tech manufacturing facility. I want to know where are my personal safety hazards? Where are my potential quality hazards? Where do I have the potential to lose a lot of production time or process time due to equipment failure or process upset or supply chain outages? Where might I have an environmental hazard or a food safety hazard? Not only do I know where in the process these different types of hazards might be, but what's their potential impact on cost and profit? This is not complicated things. And I'm quite happy to spend two to three hours to help get you up to speed on these. It's just a different way of looking at work. We've been taught that we look at aggregate reports on a monthly basis compared to what we thought we should have spent. And then we decide if we congratulate ourselves or not. And that's not the way it should be done. We should be trending actual process performance. For every key work process, prioritize them by cost, by customer value, by both. They actually are both. But you should know what your key processes cost, what the key processes return, what the key challenges and hazards are with each of those key processes. This is not hard to define in this day and age. And if you make six figures a year, believe me, I would expect you to know those things. And more importantly, if people know these things, they know what to focus on. The error tracker database helps you prioritize your problems, but dot maps, 
Simple tools like that help you know where your key problems are. Look at how we use them in sports. Look at how we use them in weather reporting. You can use the exact same thing to know where your problems are for a variety of process failure types for any repeatable work process. And then we need what I call the ultimate in integration anymore. It's my acid test for integration for any organization. But it's where do you keep your improvement ideas? Where do you keep your corrective and preventive actions? And if they say, well, some of us keep them in Word, some of us keep them in an Excel document. Uh, one person, I think, set up a database and they keep them in a database. We're switching eventually to an incident management system, but we're not sure when that's going to come along. See, that's not integrated. If we can't look at the common pool of ideas for a given area that has cost responsibility and profit management responsibility, we don't know how to allocate our resources. You know, a plant manager, for example, is held responsible for the cost performance of the plant. They better make sure that those dollars are being spent on the improvements that have the greatest leverage. They can't just say, well, make sure you, your projects match up with what we need as a site. No, we need to coordinate it. And that's what I learned, fortunately, early on. The key project list is a key tool. And that rolls up, rolls down from your common pool of ideas. And most importantly, everyone on the team has the ability to contribute ideas. And you can put in drop-down menus. You can put in a variety of things that force them to put in the info that make, turns the idea into a meaningful idea. You know, that makes it a 15-second scratch something on a notepad. I think we need better food in the cafeteria. That's not good. We need to know what strategic objective is that linked to. It needs some additional detail. What are three key changes you would make, for example? What's the expected cost? What's the expected benefit? And one thing I'm going to talk about in a future podcast is this notion of open book management. To me, it's fundamental, and it got treated like a fad in, in, back in the 90s. And Jack Stack had something good going on there, and that truly does work. And all these tools I talk about in proactive process improvement they apply to the entire work team. They're the responsibility of the work team owner. So at the end of the PDF, I have a list of what I feel every process owner must do. And we can debate all of this, but this kind of sums up where we're at. And the question to begin with is, should personal change be optional for formal leaders, for people that we pay significant amounts of money to manage processes that affect other people's lives? You know, should personal change and process improvement be optional for those people? And I don't think so. Not, not by any anyway. And so I think we need to design jobs so that leaders can spend more than 60% of their time with their people, not in front of the computer, not on the phone, not in meetings, unless their people are in the meetings. And then how are you taking care of customers? And so we have to find ways to use our technology effectively where we share information on a on-demand basis. And then we even do dialogue in some cases, asynchronous. And we consider synchronous face-to-face -face time important, but we work from the inside out to where most of our FaceTime is with our frontline folks, the folks that we are directly responsible for 
helping improve both their work and their development in their work careers. And then if they have time on the outside, we can look at how we want to spend this. But the key to finding time for process teams, for research and development, for additional training, for benchmarking, for all this type of improvement stuff is to take the waste out of either the value stream processes or the value stream support processes. And you have to track and trend to keep process metrics to do that daily if your process cycles at least once a day. Okay, and so if your process cycles, if you do one thing, I do one of these a day, you got to track what happens. If you do it from start to finish each day, what did you do? What were the attributes? You know, what, what were the different factors that helped tell the story of what that day was like? If you do five cycles in a day, capture those attributes for each of the five cycles. It doesn't get too complex at the process level. If it does, you can use technology to help you out there. Get with your people, draw dot maps, use your data, know where your key process hazards, errors, and defects exist, and look at the safety, quality, and cost, morale, engagement. Look in those areas. When we look at safety, look at personal safety. Look at environmental safety. If you work in a food plant, look at food safety. Know where your problems are. Keep a running list of improvements. And one of those improvements should be your personal plan to remove leader standard waste from your job and replace it with effective improvement-oriented leader standard work. And a lot of leaders spend time trying to solve problems that come up every single day. Dealing with rework issues, dealing with absenteeism, reviewing documents to make sure there aren't any errors. And all this is going to change. AI will fix some of it, but the truly cost-effective businesses that engage their workforce in a manner that the workforce wants to be engaged, at a level the workforce wants to be engaged, You've got to find time for improvement to make that happen. And people are not going to want to be a part of a place where they have to deal with problems every day. There's other ways to deal with life, to live life. You shouldn't, there's nothing that says you should have to commit to doing things that are just downright degrading and awful and stressful or just don't bring positive into your life. More importantly, I've seen the value that comes when you build process improvement expectations into each process owner's job. When it's in their job description, when it's in their compensation plan, when it's part of the daily language, your probability for sustained success goes through the roof. And I am not just selling you stuff. Yo, I have seen this work myself. I've seen this work with folks that have worked for me. And it's not a program that you sell to people. It's a way you work each day. You don't even have to tell people you're doing this stuff. They just see this place where you're tracking information. They just see this place where you're showing performance results. They just hear these questions that you talk about in the meetings and in the workplace when you interact with them. They see this list of improvements. They see their ideas are on the board. If someone asks them, do you think this is a decent place to work at? They say, yes, they're an advocate, at least at that level for the organization. You know, maybe you can achieve 50% engagement at that point. You know, it's 
when I first got into this, I was in it for a nebulous reason. I was into it, make work a better place, fair, fun, and focused, you know. I didn't have any data to back that up. Well, now so many people over so many years have taken the Gallup Q12 survey. We know how bad engagement levels are, and they've been around 30% in the U.S. for 10 plus years now. That's awful. When you look at the Baldridge organizations in the U.S., they're up around 85, 90% on engagement. I would expect 75 to 80 at a minimum. I don't even know how you enjoy work, let alone get a job done. When only 30% of your workforce would give positive answers to the 12 questions in the Gallup Q12 survey. And by the way, those 12 questions are quite similar to the ones in the leadership index that you can read more about on the Great Systems website. So, you're, are, in summary, yes, there is an emphasis on daily process performance, but I want you to un- learn to understand the process through the data and through your folks. Your people are your internal and your external customers. You have to learn to listen to them. If you don't know what they expect, how can you ensure your process is performing in a manner that meets those expectations? So many leaders spend 20% of their less time with their internal and external customers other than their boss. Their jobs are not designed to give them time for improvement. And that's a downward spiral. So we have to find a way out. And to me, the leverage comes, even if you don't capture five to 10 key measures, capture your five to 10 key problems each day. I use it in my own business. I use it to improve SEO scores. I use it to improve web traffic. I use it to improve conversions. I use it to improve traffic. I use it to improve followers. Every day I get numbers. Every day I look at numbers. I know where my outliers are, just like I did back when I was a plant manager and just like I had people achieve success as process owners when they use this practice themselves. So, my name is Kevin McManus. The website is greatsystems.com. This has been the Real Life Work Podcast, and please go and download the PDF. Try to give this a try. Watch the videos on the Great Systems YouTube channel. You'll find the video links on the podcast webpage. If you have questions, ask, especially if you're a small business owner, because this works. This is not hard to do. And often just setting up a very simple spreadsheet. If you only have 10, 15, 20 people doing 100, 150 transactions total a day, You can still generate millions a year. And just by looking at your key problems and your key transaction data, you may find some leverage points you didn't know existed. Of course, that's often what happens when you listen to your people as well. Thank you for making it all the way through the podcast. I do very much appreciate it. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the primary place where I keep information fresh. I try to do the same as on Facebook, but I'm on LinkedIn much more often. And I also try to keep the Great Systems webpage up to date on at least a weekly, if not monthly, for sure basis. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day. Make the world a better place and keep improving.